a mighty warrior from the land of Syria, Naaman, is the subject of today's lesson from the second book of Kings. It's a rich text because it combines the very personal with the political and the religious. The warrior and commander suffers from leprosy. And a Hebrew slave girl of his wife tells the wife that Naaman could be healed if he were to go to the prophet Elisha. When Naaman's king writes of this to the king of Israel, the king of Israel is frantic that political tensions are building and the presence of the Hebrew slave girl in Syria tells us that there had already been battles. But Elisha intervenes and says to send Naaman to him. Yet, after Naaman has gone to Elisha, the warrior is offended that the prophet sent a messenger to instruct him to bathe seven times in the Jordan, rather than coming to see the illustrious person in the illustrious warrior in person. Naaman then points out that there are more impressive rivers in Damascus than in Israel. He's indignant and ready to leave when his servants persuade him to do as Elisha has instructed. Once more, it is servants who seem to be moving with the Spirit of God. And immediately after Naaman does, as Elisha asked and is healed, he returns to the prophet and is converted to the God of Israel. Today's gospel story is also a story of healing and one that shares a good deal with the lesson from the Hebrew Bible. It's a travel narrative, and it only occurs in Luke's gospel. Jesus is on the road, and as he approaches a village, lepers from outside the village appeal to him for healing. Unlike Naaman, these lepers were outcasts who lived on the outskirts of the town, and Jesus had gained a reputation as a rabbi who healed. Jesus then heals them, telling them to go and show themselves to the priest as was required by the law of Moses. They could then be integrated back into the society. Leprosy in Israel was a particularly cruel disease because in addition to the ravages of the illness, the victims were also considered unclean. In the Jewish culture of the time, a culture very sensitive to purity in all aspects of life, lepers would have to repeatedly identify themselves by calling out, unclean. Most members of society were afraid of catching the illness. We saw a similar thing happen when AIDS was first diagnosed, and today the Zika virus may generate similar fears. I think many of us house a leper of sorts inside us, parts of ourselves that we may feel are untouchable or even unclean. The good news of this gospel is that Jesus heals all kinds of disease, as well as lack of comfort or dis-ease. Healing was and is a huge part of the ministry of Jesus, and it was also clearly part of the ministry of some of the Hebrew prophets. We may not think too much about healing until we are ill 
or a loved one is ill. But there are always prayers for healing in every church, in every community. And sometimes healing occurs even when we do not have names or words for the illness. But the story of the healing of the lepers is only the first part of the gospel for today. There's even more good news in the story. One of the lepers was a Samaritan, and that leper stopped and turned back. The art reflection in your bulletin gives an image of that moment. Part of the Samaritan's reasoning may have been that he or she did not feel comfortable going to the Jewish temple and seeing a priest of Israel because there had long been antipathy between the two cultures. You may remember that the Samaritans were not Jews. They combined worship of the Jewish God with what was considered paganism. Regardless of the reason, the Samaritan returned with gratitude and knelt before Jesus and began to praise the God of Jesus. Like Naaman, the Samaritan had been converted to a new faith. Let's stop for a moment and try to imagine what was going on in the thoughts of the Samaritan that turned back. First, there was an awareness of healing. Something had happened in his or her physical body. Think of times you have been healed, when you woke one morning and knew the cold or flu was gone, or the relief you felt when something had finally stopped hurting. Combine that with a sense of welcome or returning home after a long time away. For the leper, there had been a change that meant not only physical healing, but social healing as well. And so when that person stopped and went back to Jesus, there was awareness of the huge change in his or her life and no doubt a flooding of thanksgiving. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then Jesus said to the Samaritan, get up and go your way, your faith has made you well. Jesus extolled the gratitude that the Samaritan showed. Gratitude is at the heart of a Christian life. And as we consider our stewardship in the weeks ahead, it's important to count our blessings. Let me give you an example of gratitude, one that is very close to our lives of worship. Most of us know the hymn, now thank we all our God. But most of us do not know the circumstances under which the words were written. The German pastor, Martin Rinkart, the archdeacon of Eilenburg, served in that walled town during the horrors of the Thirty Years' War from 1618 to 1648. The town became an overcrowded refuge for the surrounding area. Fugitives suffered from academics, epidemics and famine. At the beginning of 1637, the year of the Great Pestilence, or Plague, there were four ministers in Eilenburg. One abandoned his post for a healthier area, and Pastor Rinkart officiated at the funerals of the other two. 
As the only pastor left, he often conducted services for as many as 40 to 50 persons a day. In May of that year, his own wife died. By the end of that year, the refugees had to be buried in trenches without services. There were well over 4,000 who died. Yet, while living in a world dominated by death, Pastor Rinkert wrote the words of the beloved hymn as a prayer for his children. Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices who wondrous things hath done in whom this world rejoices, who from our mother's arm hath led us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. And so this morning, let's take a few minutes and think of the things for which we are grateful. You may wish to write down one or more of those things in the gratitude envelopes in the pew. And I encourage you to make it a daily practice. It's not only spiritually healthy to count our blessings, but it has been proven to be good for our overall well-being. Brother David Steindl Rast once wrote that there are three ineminent forms Three preeminent forms of giving. Giving up, thanksgiving, and forgiving. Giving up is surrendering our being to God and asking God to make sense of who, make use and sense of who we are. Thanksgiving is thanking God for what we have been given and recognizing that all we have is from God. And forgiving is allowing others to share in the great redemption God has given to all of us. All three forms of giving are related, and if we practice one, we'll be better able to practice all. So give some thought this morning to the blessings of your life and offer to God the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge God's name. Amen.